Hi, I'm Vince Irushi. And I'm Stephen A. And this is the Assign It To Me podcast. This show is a weekly discussion about our application, Assign It To Me, which is a web-based project management tool for professional services companies that are looking for an easier and effective way to manage their projects. We discuss topics like project management, analytics, and any interesting and noteworthy news and technology. You can catch our show notes for these podcasts at blog.assignittome.com. So last week, uh, we attended that Cognos sem- uh, forum, what analytics forum. So what do you IBM think something forum. Yeah. Cognos, well, the IBM analytics and predictive analytics. What do you it was, that? You know, compared to all the previous ones we've gone to, it was a lot different. So as most of our listeners, our frequent listeners, one or two, um, I recall we're working on a business intelligence stack in addition to the project management tool, and and it's sort of designed to compete with Cognos. But so I'm sitting at the keynote, and the guy is talking about all of this stuff that is so it's so out there, like predictive analytics using Watson, the, the their computer that beat the humans in Jeopardy for or, you know, like figuring stuff out. And I'm just thinking, if I'm one of the invitees who's running a, you know, even up to $150 million company, and I'm watching that guy talk, I'm going, how does this solve my problem of just running reports? Right, right. Getting the information I need. They, right. They've, I mean, so I spent my whole time during the keynotes taking, taking, Taking notes on my on my surface, and uh, basically, my notes were more about a critique of the keynote than anything. And one of the notes that I wrote down in in one note was, "I'm taking notes, and I still don't know what the takeaway is from these keynotes because they're talking about stuff that doesn't strike a chord with me as a business person." who has an immediate need to get some basic analytics and reports for my business data. Yeah, we've been we've been out of touch I guess with the, the that type of analytics stuff for for a year now. And and we've been worried about Cognos as a competitor to to right. a degree in terms of uh what we're building and what they have. And then I just the one thing I realized which was the best thing about going to this this conference was that they're not really a competitor anymore. They're not yeah, Fortune five hundred maybe Fortune two thousand. So. Yeah, they're they're they're. I guess they're trying to market the the bigger, uh, bigger companies. You know the the public companies. The it's a very different stratosphere uh, from where we're operating yeah, at. Yeah, it's um. They didn't talk about some of the other products. This was more, I guess, for the insurance companies, the predictive analytics. A, a lot of you know every every seminar that we go to or every conference is always a buzz. Big word. data, big predictive data, analytics. Exactly. Big data was a bit, the one this time and. And how we can remind that big data and use, you know, the systems like Hadoop and, you know, okay, that, that's that's <laughs> useless. It was good that we went. We got to see some old well, well, colleagues. Was, and It was really good to see what the state of <coughs> IBM's version of business intelligence is today. Right. And it's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> at a different level than where we're trying to compete 
in terms right. of the problems they're trying to focus on versus the problems we're trying to focus on solving. Pure marketing pitch. Uh, for example, um, when I did the predictive analytics, so they just took some sample data, pulled it into this app somehow. This they didn't ex- thing. Right. They didn't explain <laughs> where the data was or how it was prepared or what the quality should be or, or whatever, how much volume the story you need, wasn't compelling. how was much it, volume you, you need. Like it's all, it's are you talking about the HR thing? Yes. Yes. That story didn't even resonate with me. No, it didn't. So they pulled the data in. Uh, it was cool what they did. You know, they, they were able to correlate certain areas or pieces of data with other pieces of data is nice, but um, that's all I got out of it. And I'm thinking, well, okay. Uh, you know, real world, uh, I've got these issues and these, Again, is it one of those things where it's so sophisticated and complex, I'm going to spend more time the trying to figure it out. funny thing about that was his source data was an Excel spreadsheet. And right. as he was manipulating the data to get these correlations, I was just thinking, wait a second. Excel does all of that. And if I'm an Excel user, I know how to do all of that faster in Excel than I would with a $50,000 plus product. Yeah. Because he but was just, he was just special look, algorithms. No, but he was just looking at uh, at very simple correlations, yeah. and asserting causation, which you should not do with a correlation. Right. But um, it was kind of hilarious. It was, yeah. Yeah. It, and uh, the funny thing was uh, about the time that we went. Uh, so there's some site uh, I don't know if you heard about. It. It's called spuriouscorrelations.com or something like that. I saw the link in Flowing Data and a few other places right. that just takes random distribution curves that look similar and and make them correlate. Right. So you would have like uh, time between haircuts and econo- economic downturn cycles or something like that. They have right. nothing to do with each other, but because they correlate, anyone who can speak authoritatively on something, by me saying that, I mean someone who sounds confident in how they talk and make... It sounds like there's a link between the time between you take a haircut and how often you buy a car, for example, or something like right, that. Right, right. Yeah. Because they didn't talk about any other products like the Cognos 10 or anything else. So it's, it was more, I guess, they were very focused on that predictive analytics and and, and that type of stuff. I think uh, it was very. In the uh, old days, it used to be called data mining. Airy uh, fairy right, uh, right. Is, is the word I can think of because they're talking about these high high order types of functionality that most people don't need. Because yeah, I still stick to my premise about business problems mm-hmm. is that most business problems are fairly low tech. Yeah. Well, what killed me too is some of the breakouts after we, I think we walked into one and oh, I looked yeah. at you, your eyes were all glazed over and I think it's, we looked at each other, it's time to go, right? So <laughs> yeah. uh, I they were just talking, so much. they were talking very, like you said, airy fairy, very, Nebula, you didn't know what they were talking about. It was just, it was almost like a marketing pitch. Well, it's, right? it's, uh, you use the phrase cargo culting. So, or it's, cargo culting is like going through the motions. Cargo cult is a phrase <laughs> from the war where I guess there were like these remote islands with indigenous people. Right. And, uh, during the war, the allied nations would, would build these little airstrips and have planes landing with cargo and goodies and things like that. So then, these um, indigenous people after the war built these fake li- land uh, landing strips and things like that, and would have these rituals, thinking that it would—that's what would induce um, planes coming in with goodies. Right, right, right. So it's like doing something because everyone else is doing something without fully understanding right the scope. 
right? And uh, so, and, you know, to be fair, I've done it before. You know, I've done presentations for the sake of presenting. Like, so I just have a bunch of bullet points that I think are my talking points, throw them into a, into a PowerPoint, and bang, there's my presentation. But in a sales or marketing presentation, it's always better to tell a story that resonates with your audience. Yeah, yeah. And, well, well, what's and, good for them, right? And it's the, going back to that 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 book or that video we saw. How right? Apple does things. Yeah, right? the uh, secret presentation S- of, of Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. So after seeing that, I'm like every every presentation I see is, wow, you know that could be better or that could. Yeah, you know, not that Steve Jobs is perfect, but no, the way he does it is if you look at one of his presentations, it sticks. You remember it. It's, you know, and people uh, are riveted to his to when he talks and. And, you know, you can relate to his products. Obviously, he has good products, too. But uh, I think marketing has a big, big part of that, right? Yeah, and the story is the most important part. A technical presentation is one thing because you're giving bullets right. up the wazoo. Telling a story is not really the best thing to do in a technical presentation where yeah. you're trying to teach someone how to do something, for example. <laughs> um, I was talking to my wife the other day. We were talking about presentations. She said, well, I just came from a presentation where one slide had 20 bullet points. <laughs> I said, how did they fit that? How, how big was the writing on the on the actual slide? And she goes, it was the worst slide ever. Well, the IBM just, one was like that too. Yeah. I was having trouble focusing on the speaker because I was too busy reading the slides. Exactly. And so, then when you look, then they had, there was that one slide where they had these arrows pointing down and you looked at me and goes, where are those arrows pointing to? <laughs> <laughs> They're pointing into nothing, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, I guess it, it looked good, right? But Guess. what I feel like the people who were presenting at that conference are doing, they're just going through the motions of, okay, we have this conference. I have some things I want to talk about. So I'll just uh, do a, a brain dump of what I'm, I want to talk about right. as opposed to telling something memorable and meaningful so that people walking out of the presentation. And then I guess if I remember my first year psychology courses, it, there's something called primacy and recency. So people tend to remember the first thing they hear, primacy, and the last thing they hear, recency. So I walked away not remembering much at all because there was nothing that resonated with me at the beginning or the end, and the middle was just overwhelming information overload. (laughs) It was. It was. All right, so let's move on to, um, that's enough of the Cognos and the IBM conference. Actually, I should change that in our show notes. Uh, but let's talk about some of the articles. Uh, so uh, you maybe watch this Richard Sherman and the value of preparation. So Richard Sherman is the hey. safety, defensive state safety for the Eagles. Is is that the same thing as a quarterback? Because I heard the the word cornerback used. Cornerback. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't. I don't know football. So yeah, I would say cornerback. Cornerback is like a safety, but he's uh, yeah. Well, safety's down the middle. You can call him uh, yeah, cornerback safety. So this guy's controversial. Before the Super Bowl, whenever someone criticizes his skills, he just freaks out in public. Right. He just freaks out. And that happened uh, right before the Super Bowl. Yes. So So what starts? Yeah, well, he freaked out. That's yeah, that's right. He uh he popped, but and it just happened he, I guess he's the, passionate about what he does. Yes. And he's good at what he does. Yes. And and he's and you'll if you watch the video, that's that's I think the freakouts are part of his own uh self-promotion 
maybe strategy yeah, to maybe personally that's just but me. he he loves the game and and he watches tapes like crazy and he's good at what he does obviously right and he's the thing i, li- I like about him is he reminds me of people like wayne gretzky and the vander holyfield who weren't necessarily the most gifted yeah. athletes but they had a combination of attributes right very very hardworking, very good iq of their own sport mixed with uh above average athletic ability right and, right that's you know, right all those combination of things made them the best they weren't they didn't have the best at any one particular thing it was a balance of of uh multiple attributes that made them reach the top of the top of their sports right right yeah well uh, i thought it was i thought it was a good video and uh uh some of the stuff he, he does some of the things he was saying and his little secrets and you know, it's 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 a different side of the sport. You know, you sit down on Sunday, you watch a sport, but it's getting analyzing. But analyzing, I'm talking deep dive. You yeah. know, the analysts. He would talk be a good stuff. business intelligence analyst. I think so. Yeah, he gets right right down to what works um, for his skill set. Right. Yes. So. Yes. Because he like in this video, uh, he admits that he's not the best athlete, but the guy prepares, he works hard, smart, and he works smart. Right. Right. right, and he has the above-average athletic ability. Well, I mean, he has to have the athletic ability to play in the NFL, which is already right. way above average, right? But um, he's able to put all those pieces together that make him basically the best at what he does right. in the NFL. And you know what? I think the NFL is it's very much like business, right? If you want to win, you got to prepare. And yes. and I remember um, Coach uh, Vince Lombardi, uh, coach for the Green Bay Packers. He used to make all his players put his their watches. It's called Vince Lombardi time. Mm-hmm. So you put your watches 15 minutes early, and all the players and then he'd say, "Your clock, that's your time." When I say it's five o'clock to practice, you show up at five o'clock when it's well. Obviously, they'd be 15 minutes early, right? Mm-hmm. So and and people would say, "Why would you do that?" Well, that 15 minutes before you do a task or you start something is very important because you get focused on what you have to do. If you show up late for something, you ever show up late for something and you're just totally flustered. Mm-hmm. Let's say you show up late for a, a, a client meeting. It looks bad. You're thinking about that you're being late. You're apologizing you're being late. It totally distracts from what, what you have to do. He's saying you get there early, you get psyched up, and then you're on time. Things are going to go smoothly. So uh, he did that with all his players. And again, it's, it's a, I guess it's a different way to prepare, but uh, I thought that was, that was good. And you know what used to do that, Marco? Remember at the, our old... Um, our old office. Yeah, the guy next. I came in like six o'clock in the morning one time. He's sitting outside in his in his car, and I knocked on his window and go like this. And I go, Mark, what are you doing here? You're just sitting in the car. He goes, I always come half an hour early before work, and I start thinking about everything I have to do. But he sits in the car. That's an interesting ritual. It is. It is. And you know what? That was his way to prepare mm-hmm. for the day, right? And I told him, I said, oh, you're, you're on Vince Lombardi time. And he goes, what's that? I told him. He <laughs> goes, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm doing that, <laughs> right? So. Um, anyway, Richard Sherman, um, very interesting. And, and he, he speaks, even when he talks, he's very passionate. You can tell, right? So. Yes. Oh, I mean, he's a smart guy. He went, you know, he's from Stanford. Stanford is like the famous school where all the tech guys yep. who become billionaires come Michelle from. Michelle Wee just graduated from there too, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, he's, 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 he's no, he's no dummy. That's for right. sure. He's that's a smart guy. Very impressive. Uh, do you want to talk about our favorite thing, patent trolls? Yes, Newegg uh, refuses to settle on any case that they get, 
and uh, they always fight it to the bitter end. And they've won. They've lost, I think, one or two, but they they've just won a bunch recently. So do you do you think this is the only way that you're gonna we're gonna stop this patent troll stuff? Is you have to you have a you have a bully. You got to stand up to the bully. Well, right? here's the thing: the patent troll problem is really an American problem because the right. USPTO, the US United States Patent and Trademark Office, um, lets a lot of stuff get through. Right. Like Amazon recently had one on a lighting diagram to make it look like uh, a person is standing is is on a pure white background. Right. And those lighting tricks have been known to right. photographers for a long time. And, the, and they uh, got yeah. the patent. <laughs> and everyone's like, what the hell? Yeah. It's like uh, I patent the letter A. And the you know, and that the, work. The other problem is the US patent office allows business process patents and software patents. Software patents are the biggest problem for me personally because right. most stuff is inev- inevitable. Um because when you when you're working with programming language, some you know multiple people are going to come up with the same idea, and you know in some cases very similar implementations. Right. 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 Because if you've learned to program a certain way, you're going to have like APIs come up with certain parameters passed in a certain order, just because that's you know you know everyone in the programming business likes reading up best practices and best ways to do things, which results in some consistency even among people working in different organizations and things like that. Right. 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 So, you know, I'm not a big fan of software patents, especially. Yeah. And, uh, but the problem is a lot of lobbyists, uh, working for, you know, companies that own a lot of IP have managed to put a lot of roadblocks into patent reform in the U S because there was one that just was put up, uh, and got taken down because of uh, Patrick Leahy, who's a Democrat somewhere. Right. Like that was just a couple of days ago. You know what? And I noticed I'm reading the article and it it does depend where you are too. So Lee Chang is the, I guess the top lawyer at Newegg. Yeah. And he, and, and, what it was is the site update solutions is suing 36 companies for, s- for search engine registration right, or some crap right, like that. Right. Like so, seriously. So what they did is they, they go and they sued them in a district in Texas. Yes. Which, which is, is the comes most down very hard. Right. Yes. Uh, on these guys. who I was infringed. surprised they got a venue change. Right. So they changed it over to California yes. and the 36 um, defendants won. Right. Now, most of them just said, okay, you know what? We won. We'll just go away. And But uh, this new egg and the new egg lawyers, uh, there's a law saying that you can go back and sue for your legal fees and your costs, which is almost impossible. Um, That's the problem with the American right. legal system. Canada, loser pays. Right, right. Right. On a case like that, loser pays, which m- disincentivizes uh, lawsuits that are a little... Um, Pointless, right, right, right. Frivolous is the word. Make them think twice for. before they go after. Or just yeah, yeah you're exactly. not gonna sue a guy unless he really wronged you, right, right. And uh, you're not gonna sue a guy unless you really have a case that you can win, right, right. So these new egg lawyers are actually going after SUS Site Update Solutions mm-hmm. for the legal costs, which is, you know, so now they're saying, okay, you were a bully, we stopped you, but you know what, we're gonna make you pay for your bullying too. So now make sure you. You, you recoup, you know, we you pay your costs and your costs for legal fees plus my costs for legal fees. Obviously. Yeah, part of the patent reform bill does involve a loser pays uh, system of suits, which 
I think will make a lot of troll companies think twice about suing. Right. Because there are a lot of like, you know, people are, you may as well just patent breathing. <laughs> and, you know. We should. Okay. Well, but anyways, we will yeah, the USPTO is, I'm, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Or the FCC with their, you know. Maybe they'll change Obama's it. a popular guy, but he made the wrong decision hiring a, a lobbyist for the telcos as the head of the FCC. Right. And I see a lot of discussion about net neutrality and people don't seem to communicate it right to the people who vote. Right, right. So people have this misconception of what net neutrality is and uh, it's quite ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Because right now they're talking about the, because Tom Wheeler, the guy who's in charge of the FCC (coughs) is talking about a fast lane and a slow lane for the internet. Yeah, I read that. Comcast uh, made Netflix pay uh, extra to have a direct connection to their network so that because they were intentionally slowing down Netflix so toll, traffic, toll I roads, think. Toll roads for the network. Yeah, people are saying uh, people who deliver video should pay more, but they already do pay more. Everyone pays for their own internet connection. Right. You pay for your connection, I pay for my connection, right? And it's a certain speed. It's based on bandwidth. Google, right? like YouTube, pays pays for their connection and they pay a massive amount of right. money. Right, right. What that, what the, you know, like Comcast and Time Warner's of the world, or in, in Canadian context, Rogers and Bell would do is they could pick and choose which traffic they want to run at what speed coming in, and, and then it. if you want uh, YouTube faster, then we're gonna make YouTube pay extra to access our network. But that's not how the internet works. Right, right, right. It shouldn't work that way because YouTube is already paying a lot of money. To their provider, because basically your internet connection goes into this cloud and figures out what to connect to. Um, the telcos should not be able to to kind of pick and choose because in Canada the telcos own TV stations and things like that, right? Right. right. So they can offer their own shows, uh, you know, m- streaming music and movie services without paying much fee, and then force all their competitors to pay a toll charge, which is to me is wrong, right? Right. Because the internet has basically become a utility like electricity because um, if you look at a telephone line, you know, if uh, Rogers calls you to telemarket, you don't, you know, Bell doesn't make them pay extra to call you. Everyone pays whatever they pay to their respective phone company. That's a good parallel. That's a good parallel. Yeah, that's right. That's how, that's how, that's what net neutrality is. Yep. Anyway, uh, good good discussion. Um, patent trolls. We'll see if we can. Yeah, that every stuff once gets in a while we come up. back. We always come back to patent trolls. Patent trolls yeah. and net neutrality really get my dander yeah. up. So, um, let's talk about our app. So where we're at lately, um, I guess it's been a month since we talked about it, but um, a lot of changes. Yes, too. Every every time we talk, there's a lot of changes. Yes, so. it's uh, actually. Well, you said something. Imp- uh, so, so now that we, this moved on to, uh, you know, CSV ex- exports and yeah, you, when you know starting that to work on reports, you know, you're, you're when you know reports. that I'm getting that part done, you know that I'm almost done because right. uh, I'm just working on getting the project health stuff wired in, um, which is, you know, I, I, I know you always want to push the app out sooner, but to me, it can't go out without the project health because that's the secret sauce. That, that's that's yeah, what makes us better piece, than everyone right. else, right? Um, so that's kind of done, and and I'm 
doing a near final database uh, revamp, which means we're going to be blowing away our our dog food server. Right. You know, which because I don't like to blow away the data that much. So that's like a sign that we're getting very close to at least having people other than Steven and Vince use the app. Right. Um, But I mean, of course, that's still a beta. There's still a lot of other refinements that we need to get, like so that we can collect money. (laughs) Yeah. And and get people. But we can release it before that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We will be. (laughs) No, it'll be more like beta test users. I think the big piece, I think the big piece is once the project health is done, it's basically ready, right? So yeah. Plus the reports. Reports. Yeah. So most of the reports are actually somewhat pre-wired. It's just, okay, so how does this, how should this data look? Right. And stuff like that. And it's funny that we were talking about it earlier. Um, the more you use it, there's every time we use it, there's different use case, right? Yes. Depending on the client or, and, and, you know, what do you pick to, to make sure it's the right one, right? We talked about notifications and how they would yes. work and it was very high level. But uh, I guess as we go, as we use it and go through each version, we'll, we'll probably... Yeah, part it. of the thing that really uh, made this past month very productive was really uh, toning down our ambitions. Right. Uh, a lot of stuff that wasn't really high value that was on the list got cut out because it was... I don't miss it either. I don't even care, right? You know, because I think what happened is we ended up over-designing. Right. Um, and uh, it's funny. I was going through all of our old designs. It's quite interesting to see how, in some ways, it, it's come back full circle. And in other cases, it's like, wow, what were we thinking? <laughs> right? right? And then right. it was like, oh, is that all we offered that back then? That's one, one of my enough. favorite. One of my favorites. Oh, we're gonna have the grid. The grid. Remember we, oh, we yes, talked about yes. a month with the grid. Uh, you know what? We the grid would have been great if it was just a desktop application, right? But it, we have something that works kind of like a, and it's and it works well, right? That, yes. That whole uh, layout. So the list that we've done. Well, so a grid far. is is not mobile friendly, right? Right. It does not work on small screens, and, it, yeah, and we would we would have had to write. A separate application for mobile apps, which yeah. would have taken another. I'll be honest with you. I got months. Docs to go on my my iPhone, and anytime I have to open up a spreadsheet with Docs to go, I cringe. I go, oh, "Well, if, do you, you have know, the, I got to open this thing now and and try to read it?" Do you have spread- Google Drive on your phone? I do. Yeah. Like I used, open even even Google spreadsheet is tough. It's right? tough. It is really tough. Yeah. So, uh, because we have. A quote unquote universal or responsive application that is designed to work on just about any platform with a modern HTML5 browser. Um, we we focus more on one set of code, yep. uh, as opposed to having all sorts of stuff. So you don't need, unlike uh, Cognos, uh, to use them as an example since they were talking about their mobility stuff, you don't need to go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store to. To, to be able to run our app on your phone. You just go to the the browser yeah. and just pop the up. The last a, week, that's all I've been using is is the browser. Is yeah, the, and, the phone. And, and, uh, and it works. You know, some of the icons are a little small. I, I get a little well, frustrated, <laughs> but I know that's a work in progress. Like trying to touch a little tiny circle with an arrow in it is... 80%, eight, no, you know, it's not 80%. It's 99% of my testing right now is on the desktop. Yes, yes. And then once I finish the bulk of the app, I'm going to start using it on small screens. I'm going to tell you, 80% of the app works... Like touch wise on on the 
on the mobile. So well, here's the thing. There's a couple small tweaks, right? There's a lot of stuff you cannot do if you want it to work on mobile. So if you want touching things to work, and I'm going to get kind of nerdy here, HTML-wise. So um, I can have click events on anything in HTML, right? Like, so I can have a div or a, or a piece of text that... that it, on click, do this. Yep. Problem is, those are really flaky on mobile. That's right. I have to use links and buttons only. Right. So right. everything is is a is a link. Yep. Right. So even, even the uh, the drag and drop is, is a little tougher. It's on, it's on the phone, dodgy right? on. Uh, it works. Like I tried it, but it's it's a lot tougher to because you have to be very careful how how it, it goes and when. It, Things don't don't actually highlight or, or react the same way as they would on the uh, desktop. You're right. Yeah, right. And, and those are a product of um, how the mobile browsers uh, engines are designed to handle user interactions because you can't hover over something on a touch screen. That's right. That's so, right. so the help links like so those, on those the forums pop up balloons, right? I had to make them links, so you have to touch on something to get a little pop-up balloon to tell you what something is because right. I'm accommodating all users, not just desktop right. users. Right. And I bet you a lot of developers have to think that way nowadays. Uh, no. <laughs> Hoverovers are, are not as okay. popular as they used so to be, So right? the bleeding edge, so people who are working in startups, which are maybe like 5 to 15% of the entire developing Software developing population. I don't want right. to say developing world because that that has a different <laughs> yeah, meaning. Yeah, right, right. Um, in the world of software development, uh, those guys are keeping up with that, and the right. rest people who work at banks and stuff. They don't really care about that. Right, right, right. So, okay, good stuff. Um, it's coming along. Uh, every it's it's like seeing the baby grow up. Yeah. Sooner or later, we got to kick him out. <laughs> but but uh, it's it's nice watching him grow up. I know so. Um, let's get to the picks of the week. Okay, we'll do mine because it's kind of boring, but uh, uh, it's something. The reason why I picked this is called the Go Key. I thought it was a. I'm a. It's a gadget. My pick of the week. I I usually try to pick a gadget, uh, or book, or or video, something like that. But this one, this one's a gadget here. Gadget comes in black or white, so it's it it hits home for me because so many times I leave the house and I'm losing it because I can't find my keys. Or my phone's missing or something. My brother, my older brother, needs this thing here. Because he'll he'll be he'll lose his keys. Like he's lost wallets left and right, keys, phones. He's like that. So uh it's something that gets attached to your keychain. You say, Well Is he one of those guys who wherever he, whenever he sits down he pulls out his wallet and puts it on the table? Uh, I think so. He's got one of those George Costanza wallets. Or, where, you, know, or, you, put, um, you put a stamp in it, it'll explode or something. Or if you like, like, because I notice there's some people who never keep their, yeah, who always take their wallet out of their pocket whenever they sit down. So if they go to work, they open the drawer, they stick their wallet in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he does because I was in his car. Um, we went downtown. The he hospital. takes his wallet out. His wallet was sitting. It was out of his pocket. And he put it in the console. So that's you're absolutely right. I didn't even notice that until you told me that, but. Uh, and I saw whose wallet is this, and it was mine. Uh, and I was wondering why would you take it out, right? So uh, it's, it's good that you mentioned that because I didn't even think about it until I, until you brought it up. Because so I always, I always keep it in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. So do I. So. Because so that way I. But I have a, I have a small wallet. I have a little. Yeah. So uh, so this attaches your keychain. You say, well, hang on a second. If you lose your keys, you lose the. Well, 
you got an app on your phone and you can click the app and it'll actually beep. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's got like Bluetooth or right. something like that. Now, um, somebody will say, well, what happens if you lose your phone? Right. Well, um, there's there's another app or whatever. Or computer. Right. So what happens is if you have your your this key here and you press it, the phone will 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 chime or whatever or the computer. The only thing is they say the the only drawback is you have to leave the sound on on your phone because mm-hmm. otherwise it, you know it's just gonna buzz, right? Yeah. So um, multi-purpose. So you can find your keys. You can find your phone. If you lose them both, you can still find your phone, which will find your keys, and it's got up to a 32 gigabyte. USB drive attached to it, right? To boot. So, so you take your keys out of your pocket every time? Yeah, I throw them on the... So <laughs> a lot of times they'll get... Someone, my son will take them and I'll drop them somewhere. Oh, okay. Or I'll drop them or I'll, I'll... What happens is I run back in the house. I got the keys in my hand. I go, oh, I forgot this, this, and this. I'll drop the keys somewhere. Go and do what I have to do and come back. Go, oh man, where'd I put my keys? Right? See, I keep also keep my keys in my pocket all the time. Okay. Once so I take them out, they the go only way you lose your keys or phone is because if you get lost somewhere. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, it's well, my phone. I always keep them. No, my phone. I will take out about fifty percent of the time. Right. So I, I'm at greatest risk of losing my phone because the, the this is more of a habit thing, right? So if you have a habit of always taking something out, that increases your chance of forgetting where it is or losing. Yes. It, yes. Right. Because you know my wallet has my most important stuff. But you have to make it a habit because if you think about it, it doesn't become a habit anymore. You have to make it a habit. I, I think that's yeah, it's, true. I, no, I just don't take out my wallet. Right. right? So that's so. The, your good habits you're talking about. For me, I, my brother's a worse scatterbrain than me. Mm-hmm. He, oh, wow. He's talking to me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> take it easy. He's talking to me. He's got he's got his, his, his pamphlet or whatever, his book. He's talking to me. He'll put it down and it's sitting right there. Where's my where's my book? Where's my book? It's right there, Rob. You just left it there. So he he's got a, like a million and one things going on in his head. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to habit. You're absolutely right. Because I don't pull out my keys except when I'm opening and locking a door, and right. it goes right back in my pocket. Right. Um, you know, I have you know I have misplaced my keys a, a few times. But that's more because I moved them into the, a different pocket. Right. That because I I wore different pants and I forgot about it or something like that. <laughs> right, right. Right. But uh, so I I don't know. I, I thought it was good. And it actually powers up your phone. It's got a charger in it. Oh, up, that's pretty cool. Up to two hours. So if your phone dies in the middle of the day, um, so many times it's happened to my wife, especially, she never plugs it in. You can plug this thing into your phone and it'll charge it for two hours. So not bad. Cool. So that's it. Uh, I know it's kind of a boring, but I, I thought it was pretty cool. So uh, let's talk about the Microsoft Surface 3. Yes. So uh, we have the Surface 2 Pro. Surface 1 oh, Surface Pro. 1 Pro, right. We didn't get the test. The right. Surface 2 Pro came out uh, late last year, 2013. And less than a year later, they've just released the Surface Pro 3. Now, I thought a Surface Mini was coming out at this keynote. And I wasn't that much interested in the Surface Pro 3 because I thought it would be an incremental improvement. And right. then I had, because I, I happened to be... Uh, up and about while the keynote was going on, and I knew they were live streaming. I put it up in a window while I was working. Right. And um, okay, it's not an Apple keynote, but um, one of my biggest problems with the Surface keynotes and marketing in the past is they always try and sell it to everybody. Right. It's not a tool for everybody. No. It has no. some particular strengths. Um, so my friend, um, he's, he's a little younger than me, but he's got two kids, got a wife. 
They need a new computer. Would you recommend the Surface 3? No. It's not a, it depends. It's not, a, it's not like a family computer. Is what no, you're it's what do you... What, it depends on your use case. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get into this in a minute. They're going to surf. They're going to just, you know, watch videos, YouTube. It's not cheap. Yeah. So, um, but the... So, they did a couple of good things. Um, you got the... The window can, on the side now. You here, can right? put uh, the surface at any angle up to 150 degrees now, where ours okay. is only 22 degrees. I That's think right. the second one was I 21 doing this a lot. and something. So it wasn't yeah. really, to use Microsoft's invented word, lappable. Right. Um, they made the attached keyboard a little more stable. Um, but to me, the they've changed. It's bigger. It's a 12-inch screen, and they changed the pen. And okay. the speakers are front facing it's thinner and it's super light it's as light as the low end surfaces which are very thin okay yep uh but the thing see for me it's like i've always wanted to replace those heavy uh notebooks that i carry around those eight and a half by 11 sketchbooks that are like 15 bucks each right um so that you know because i i the funny thing is i only go back to them go backwards into the notes when i need to but it's a pain once you run out of paper, you gotta get a new book. Takes up space on your shelf. The books themselves are not light, right? Right. Um, and it, it's a fantastic Surface Pro One is a fantastic device for taking notes. Like, right? I used I used it at the Cognos thing, and the guy beside me goes, "Is that an iPad with some special app?" I go, "No, it's Microsoft Surface. It's yeah. great because of the pen." Right. You right. can't do that on an iPad. That's no right. way, because those styluses that you can get are are stupid. Right. Well, They're not Steve real. Jobs. Steve Jobs said, "No if, way to the." If you need a pen, you've blown it, or something yeah, was yeah. was a quote. But well, there's a huge market for these stupid styluses that aren't that precise on the iPad. So clearly, there's demand. Right. Right. right? Um, so on the Surface Three, they use a new pen that uses a battery. It's not the same tech that's in the first two surfaces. So you click the top, like you would, like you know, you know, click the you know those pens with the things on the yep. top, to, yep. so the tip would come out. And the, the screen instantly comes on running OneNote, ready for you to take notes. Which is what you use a lot, right? Yes. Yep. I, you know me. I'm a huge yep. fan of, of OneNote. Right. And the pen is more precise, especially around the edges. And, uh, and the way they bonded the screen, the tip of the pen and the pointer for where the ink is on the screen is very close to each other. Because with the, the old pens, the Wacom pens, if you tilt it at an angle, the pen... Dot move, right, can, can right. move off by a few millimeters. And when you calibrate it, it's calibrated for a particular orientation. So it's either you're calibrating it for landscape or portrait. Yeah. So if you hold, if you switch orientations you, and you, um, so if you calibrate it at landscape and then you're, you decide you want to write uh, in portrait mode, the angle that you're holding the pen at is different than it would be in landscape. So then there's a very good chance that the ink dot is a couple of millimeters away from where you Which want it to Which makes a difference. Be. And you know, the, all these small things that you, you buy a computer, you don't think of that. Yeah. Uh, until you actually start using it. But, uh, you know, the, I guess someone's gone, some engineer's gone and calculated, figured this all out. That, that's where you get some value out yeah, of the and, product. Yeah, uh, right? and, you know, they say they spent three years on making that kickstand. Uh, oh, right. Go at different angles. Yeah. And you know, that's a good one because I'm, I'm always, I have the kickstand, but I'm always lifting it up because of the glare on yeah. the... Yeah. And it's super small now. And, uh, you know, they, they improved the fan. I don't really care about that stuff. 
Like for me, uh, it's nicer that it's got a bigger screen because one thing that I keep noticing about the Surface is, wow, it's, the screen's small. Right. It's good, but it's a very nice screen, by the way. Right. Great for looking at photos on. Um, but it's now a 3-2 ratio as opposed to a 16-9 ratio. So right. it's more like an 8.5 by 11 right. piece of paper. Right. Um, Kind of like the uh, iPad. And yeah, it's got else. super high resolution. It's even sh- it's got even more resolution than the original Surface. It's lighter. The keyboard is clickier. It's got a nicer touchpad. It's got the home button on the right. Now. It's got a it's got a better um, magnetic power thing. You can't right. use the old ones because the old those it's not as good as Apple's implementation. Right. But the new one is is completely different, and it all goes in one way, and it. And yeah. it's got stronger magnet and just snap right in. You still need a port though, if you want to put all your peripherals on, right? Uh, USB yeah. port. They port. have a dock for it, but uh, yeah, I know the ports work fine. And the one I'm using is fine. It's an old one, so. But uh, so you're you're saying this is probably not good for my buddy. Well, uh, at the, the keynote, pens, right? they showed off a few things, so it's good for anyone who who takes a lot of pen notes, like right. me or you. Um, it's good for artists because they showed off Adobe's uh, new Touch and right. Pen. Right. Centric uh, Photoshop. Um, I look at it this way. You're either a computer person, a mobile person, or a tablet person. A computer person uses a computer like 75 to 80% of the time. A tablet person, all they ever need is an iPad type of device. Right. A mobile person is mostly their phone, right? right. And you notice that most of the phones now have bigger screens. Right. And right. as the screens get bigger, a lot of those people don't really need the tablet anymore, Right. Makes um, sense, yeah. So they don't need a tablet in general. But right. as a computer, uh, a Surface might work for those guys. Right. A ta- person who only uses like an iPad, probably that makes no sense. Right. I'm a computer person. I use a tablet 20% of the time, I guess, now. And and not even that. It's like I have my phone screen is a little bigger, so I don't use my tablet as I still use it a lot, but I don't use it as much. Right. I don't feel like I actually have to have a tablet now. Right. right. And because Windows 8 is primarily a computer operating system that can handle, it's just good enough for the 20% of the time that I need the tablet. Right. Right. It's a good fit for that type of user. Right. If you're 100% computer, like you need the a laptop, don't buy the Surface. Yep. If you're someone who's just looking for something light, powerful, mostly a computer and a little bit of a tablet and just good enough at a tablet, Surface is perfect for that. Yeah. Well, okay, what's the price? Um starts from seven ninety nine and goes up to two grand. Yeah, not cheap. Yeah. You can get a lot of computers for a well, lot less, right? Well, so. okay. So um let me see if I can find you the link. Yahoo Tech did uh uh a really good review of it. David Pogue, who did that show that Yes, that yes, you I like. Yeah. He did. He did a. He did a review, and he's typically known to be. People accuse him of being an Apple shill. Right. He had a very positive review of the Surface Three. Oh, that's good. Okay. And the commercial that he did is pretty funny. He did a um, fake uh, Mac versus PC com- commercial. Yep. And uh, it's quite good. Comes down to value, I guess, for, for well, my friends. So. See, the problem is Microsoft never did, in the pre pre Satya Nadella. Microsoft. Microsoft never did a good job of communicating who the Surface was good for. It is not for everyone. Right. It is the best Windows 8 showcase device out there because it shows the potential of Windows 8 that most people hate a lot of Windows 8 because they don't understand how right how it works. It's like it's not a tablet. Oh, it's not desktop. Oh, it's, I don't. You know, it's like 
it's it's a bit of both. It's right. kind of a new. I hate to use this word paradigm, but it is. Like when when I used it on the Surface, I don't really use Windows 8 on a computer as much, but because it's mostly desktop mode. But when I use a Windows 8 Metro mode on the Surface, I totally got it. Yeah, right away. Yep. It was like, oh, this makes sense. Yep. Like when I want it to be a tablet, I'll just use a Metro stuff most of the time. I'm just gonna spend in desktop mode. That's right. You can switch back and forth. But easily. when I'm sitting, when I when I sit on the sofa, it goes into Metro mode, and up comes Internet Explorer in Metro, not the desktop mode. And I'm doing, using all the finger stuff, but in all other cases, I can use desktop mode. Right, like right. it works great that way. But people look at it as it's either a uh, a laptop or it's a tablet. Like that's one rigid way of thinking about it. But you should think about how you use your technology, whether it's a laptop, a tablet, or your phone. Right, and and look at. How often you use certain types of things and when, what would be a best fit. Right. right. Surface is actually good for a lot of use cases like um, executives, salespeople, students. Maybe not so good for a home type of computer, I guess. Um, right? it, you can probably get a computer that does a lot more for... It could be good for same. a home. Yeah. It could be because my wife likes using it. Well, if the battery, it's because of Flash. Yeah. Because Bejeweled Blitz, Bejeweled uses, Blitz. runs Flash <laughs> and it just... It makes a fan go off, yeah, and, it, right. and it never it rarely goes off from on yeah. for me, right? Um, but uh, it, you know, it's a good sofa. It's a good combination of sofa and, you know, she did taxes on uh, right. on the surface this right. year, right? And you know, she can play Bejeweled Blitz on it on the sofa without having the futz around about. Well, okay, everyone, everyone I know hates the touch keyboard, including you and me. Yep. Yep. But um, it's it's a pretty good. Yep. system. I like it so far. I'm kind of glad we we bought it. So. And and I really when I was at that Cognos thing, and you know how I like doing. I didn't do sketch notes in particular, but I was able to take notes and draw. Right. There's one thing to just keep on typing in Evernote, but it's constraining because sometimes when you're trying to communicate or take down the idea that someone's communicating in front of you, you want to draw. Well, the first thing boxes. you learn is drawing and and writing before you type. So yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that's why I think the Surface 3 is fantastic. It's yeah. not enough. It's not a huge enough improvement that it makes me want it over the Surface. But I'm sure 12 months from now, when it goes down to like when the Surface 4 comes out and the price of the 3 comes down significantly, then I, yeah. I'd be interested in it, right? Okay, so um, maybe in a couple of weeks that we'll have a trip to the Microsoft Surface Store. There, the Microsoft check it out. Store, it looks, check it out. We'll do a, we'll do a follow up on it hands-on so okay uh that's it for this week anything else uh i'm no not much okay so i guess uh, we'll be back Until next two time weeks. exactly four weeks for more information on assign it to me you can visit our website at assignittome.com or our blog at blog.assignittome.com if you have any questions regarding this show or the assign it to me app feel free to contact me at vince at assignedtome.com. Thanks for listening.